hold it up in the air. You know, you've been sitting for a few minutes. Why don't you stand up? Let you stretch. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do everything. Absolutely everything. My Bible says. By the Holy Spirit. This is God speaking to me. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Well, our key verse that we're using for this series is uh, out of the book of Matthew. And there it says in verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. Thank you, Dr. Hood, for sharing those words and just prepping our minds towards that God is, that God is with us. So last week we started this series, and if you happen to miss that, I just encourage you to go on to our podcast on our website, agchurch.net, or on our Facebook page. It's all there. And uh, we talked about how that God is with us in the valley. And uh, we talked about how that we can experience God in the valley. And we talked about the valley of Baca. The, the word Baca means weeping, the place of weeping in our lives, that even when it seems that it's a difficult moment in our life, that we can experience the goodness of God in our lives. And I shared some personal, I said to Sharon afterwards, um, I says, what do you think if there was one thing people got out of that sermon, what do you think it was that they got? And she said that everybody goes through stuff. Everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you go through stuff. Everybody does. And we have highs and lows. We have mountaintop experiences and we have valley experiences. But we talked about how that when you and I, we dig a ditch, we take a step of faith in that valley, that it says there that even though it may be a dry, arid, difficult place in our lives, that in the midst of that difficulty, that springs will come forth. And so we had a great study through that. And I hope you'll take time to, uh, to go to that, uh, that message online and listen to it. Today, I want to talk to you about how that God is with us in the wilderness, how he's with us in the wilderness. Now, next week, you won't want to miss that because we're going to talk about how God is with us in the storms. And, uh, and then how that the, the following week, we're going to take a look at on the 23rd, how that God is with us always. And it's going to be really, really a powerful series. If you know people that are going through tough times right now, and there's lots of them around us, if you invite them to come, I think they'd come to hear messages about this because it really relates to people. It helps people to be able to see how that God can be with them and help them. And uh, did you know that the majority of people that you invite to come to church, if they're not born again, they get born again right here? Now, I'm not going to say everyone, but the majority of people you invite to come to church that don't have Christ, they will get born again uh, in this church. They will get born again in this church. And uh, so in, in one aspect or another. So uh, I just encourage you, you know, to invite people to come. It's going to be a great series and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to dig in that. So we talk about God with us in the wilderness. What is the wilderness? What does that, that mean? What is that for you and I? Wilderness is a place in our lives where we feel like we have lost our bearings. We feel as though we don't know, you know, when you're in a wilderness, 
you, you, even though you may not be lost, you feel lost. You feel confused. You know, last year, as many of you know, Sharon and I, a house we had lived in for uh, 25 years, we moved out of, which I knew very well, to a house and property that I had no idea where everything was. I, it took me at least a year to figure out what all the light switches did in the house because, you know, because, you know, we're creatures of habit. Would you agree with that? We're all creatures of habit. You know, you probably every morning do the exact same thing every single morning to get your day going. Your routine to work is probably the same kind of thing. You come home in the evening, you probably have a very familiar routine to you. But when you're in a new place, when you're in a place you're unfamiliar with, it's awkward. It's really awkward. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just a, and for me, it took me one, I told Sharon this the other day, I said, I actually feel like this year, even though we had Christmas in the new house, even though we had all these experiences in the new house, I finally feel like I'm home. It took me a whole year. I lost my bearings. You know, I, I had, because I, what was going on, I had nothing to relate it to. That's what happens in the wilderness. You're like, you're in an experience that you're like, man, this is, this is difficult for me because I've never been in this place before. I've never had this kind of, I don't know what, I, I kind of know what to do. Maybe I'll do like I did before and it'll all be okay. But what I did before isn't working in the new place quite the same. It doesn't feel the same. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? So, you know, you get in those new, it's like a new job you go into. Now, there is an excitement with new things when you go into them. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's a great excitement that goes with that. But in the wilderness, we lose, we get into a place where, we feel it's uncomfortable for us because it's not a place that we're familiar with. We don't look, we don't live in the wilderness, okay? We don't live in the in the wilderness. I always admire those people. I don't know how you watch those shows that, you know, in the wilderness or Alaska or Frozen. I think it what or that's a movie, I guess. But there's a show about people. <laughs> I don't know. Let it go, let it go. Uh, you know. <laughs> Everybody knows that song. I only know it because my granddaughters have sung it one gazillion times. So, you know, we say, "What do you want to? What do you want to watch?" Frozen. Um, but um, you know, when you're when you when these people that live in these tundras, I mean, they're just horrible environments. I mean, the one guy I watched him the other day. I just happened to catch a glimpse of it. I don't watch him regularly, but I, he was so happy he started crying because he finally got his radio to pick up a station. He's like, now I know what the weather is. Guess what it was? Cold and snow. So <laughs> big surprise, right? Yeah. Well, I know how cold it's going to be. But you know, it's just a, how we look for things to give us bearing. Do you understand what I'm saying? That we look for things that we can relate to. Most of us, our Christmas experience is like that. We're, we're, we're relating it to something from the past. You know, we go down in the basement or up in the attic or into a closet and we pull stuff out of the past, right? We have our ornaments that belong to our great grandma. We have our stuff that was my aunt's. We have our things that we get out. We put them around the house because they are bearings for us. They are things that are directional for us. They have memories that are tied to them. Amen. In the wilderness, it's tough because you don't have any memories to tie anything to. You know, Israel didn't do so good in the wilderness. They really struggled. In fact, what they kept trying to do was to, to think about how they lived in Egypt in bondage and compare that with where they were living in the wilderness 
with God's divine provision. And eventually they just got to a place where they said, you know what, it's just better to go back to what we're comfortable with than to be out here in a place we're uncomfortable with. You might be in a place right now in your life where you're really, really uncomfortable. Things are not, you just feel a little bit lost, confused. You know, you don't know what to do. You feel awkward. And so when we're in those places in our lives, we have to look, we try very desperately because of the the way that we're created to look for bearings. Now, thank God we always have the scripture. You know, the good news is no matter where you live in the world, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Amen. So I'm going to read to you a passage, 1 Kings, if you turn there with me, chapter 19. And uh, this is right after, this is such a great story, because uh, this is right after Elijah has had this huge deal up on Mount Carmel. I mean, like, he has called fire down from heaven. He has he has had a major move. Israel, the northern kingdoms, have all seen the power of God come from heaven. They saw a sacrifice burn. They, they saw God glorified. They saw a man of God stand up and say, and it's going to be like this, and it's going to do this, and this is all going to happen, and it happened exactly the way that he had said. It was probably one of the greatest uh, experiences Elijah had in his spiritual life. But right after that, this woman named Jezebel hears about what had happened and how that Elijah had defied her gods and had defied her leadership and, uh, and her husband's leadership. And so she, we're in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, and it says, And Ahab, that's her husband, told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. About this time. Now, look at with me. Look up here with me, if you would. You would think this guy that just took down a whole bunch of Baal's prophets, basically stood alone against all of them with God, called fire from heaven, you would have think his response back to this would have been like, right, I'm not afraid of you, my God is greater than you. You know, but sometimes we don't come up with the responses that we normally would come up with. Sometimes our responses don't look anything like what they had. And, 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 and there's a lot of reasons why that happened. We'll look at what happened with him here and why that he responded this way. But, but all of a sudden what happens is, is Elijah totally, absolutely freaks out. I mean, he, this thing gets to him. And, he, and so it says that in the, the scripture here, it says that she said this time tomorrow. And when he saw that, he saw the message, he arose and he ran for his life. He ran for his life. Now, it says that he went to Beersheba, which Beersheba is about a hundred, over 100 miles. Now, look, I've run, I've run a, a half marathon. That seemed like an eternity to me, right? I can't imagine this guy booked it, took off running for over 100 miles. He was so scared of what she had said. He runs over 100 miles, runs for his life, went to Beersheba, and, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. And so while he is there in Beersheba, he leaves his servant, and here's what he does. He himself went a day's journey 
into the wilderness. So I want you to underline that in your Bible, if you write in your Bible, uh, that he went in to the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a broom tree or a juniper tree. And he prayed. So now it's not just that he's running. He prayed that he might die. Prayed that he would die. He said, Lord, let me die here. He said and said, and I love this next line. You can underline it in your Bible. It is enough. I mean, it, look, have any of you, now don't raise your hand, please, because I'm afraid we'd all be, you know, some of you could raise both of them. Have you ever said, Lord, that's, it's enough. That's it. That's, that's it. Whatever it was, whatever he was going through, this was like, you know, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. I can't take one more thing. If one more thing goes wrong, if one more thing goes bad, I can't take it, God. And so his prayer is, God, take me. Just take me. It'd just be better if I was. And I've met Christians that actually will say that. You know, my life is so hard right now. I'm just praying that the Lord will take me home, will take me home. And I'm not talking about elderly people. I'm talking about people in their 40s, people in their 50s. I'm talking about people that have a whole life ahead of them to live, and yet they're already contemplating that it's better to be dead and gone than to be here, than to be here. On, to, to be here. He got to a place in his life, and I, I think you, you see this by the way that the Lord responds, is, is that he's in a place where he's completely depleted. He's not just tired. Hey, look, if I asked you today how many of you are tired, wouldn't we all say, I'm tired? I am tired. I've lived tired. I've, I don't know. I get up tired. I go to workouts. I'm tired. I come home. I'm more tired. But yet we keep going on, right? So we're not talking about being tired. You know, I, I feel for all the moms with the kids, man. I mean, my Lord. I'm, we have our grandkids come stay with us, you know, not Shayla, she's perfect, but you know, like, yeah, but I mean, we have, we have the little ones, you know, like Ellie's going to, Ellie, she's four, four years old and she's going to come stay with us. And I mean, when, when they come stay with us, we're exhausted when they go home. I'm not talking about three days. I'm talking about just one day. Well, Papa, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why is that? Why do you have a sheep? Why did you get the sheep? I'm like, stop asking me questions. Stop. I would never say that, but you know, in your head, they ask like a gazillion questions and they are needy. They're needy little things, right? Mark and Jeannie, I see them bring their grandsons. I just like, dear Lord, these kids, these aren't like little boys that just sit, you know, sit in a corner and behave. These are guys that are up and active and they're, they're corralling them all the time. Look, when you're older, you're not cut out for that anymore. How many of you grandparents know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh my gosh, why am I so tired? It's like the kids suck the strength right out of you. But there's great joy in it. I'm not complaining. Please, please, no, no. No, it's the holidays. This is a bad time to talk about family not being around. So, uh, but, but you see, what happened with him is he was... He wasn't just tired. He is depleted. He's at a point in his life where he says, I can't go on. I can't take one more step. 
I would just rather it was over with. Maybe you are in that kind of a place today, or maybe you've been in a place like that, or maybe you will be in a place like that. I told you last week, and I'll tell you again this week, this message isn't always for where you're at right now, but it's where you could be sometime. And I always want you to remember what you heard here today and what you heard last week. No matter what's going on in your life, God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not leave you. You say, well, what if I sin? Look, God is with you. God will not leave you. God will do everything he can to get you into a place of repentance and back in relationship with him. He will never let you go, ever let you go. While you're on this earth, he will not let you go. And so what you and I, we have to recognize in this is that there is a place that people can get no matter how great. Wouldn't you think what Elijah did was a great thing? And then all of a sudden now, he's kind of like went from this super major deal and he has totally lost his way. He is not even talking. His only prayer to God isn't to call fire from heaven or to stop the rain from falling or to ask for the rain to come. His prayer is specifically for him that he's saying, I just want to die. But I'm glad, and I'm sure you're glad. How many of you are glad that God does not answer all your prayers? I know people say, no, he answers all prayer. No, he don't answer all prayer, especially the stupid prayers we pray. And we've prayed some stupid ones. Like, God, kill my neighbor because he ran over my cat or whatever, you know. He's not going to answer that. So watch this now, what happens. So he gets to this place where he's depleted, and he says, look, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. He just says, I'm just absolutely worn out, Lord. And then in verse 5, it says, and as he lay and he slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And I want you to notice here that as he gets the strength to do this, watch this in verse 9. He went into a cave, and he spent the night in, the pl in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they have torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. They seek to take my life. But in verse 11, it says, He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord he wasn't in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice, a still small voice. And, uh, you know, I find that really interesting because this teaches us a really powerful lesson when we're in a, when we're in a wilderness moment in our life. Why? Does, why did God speak in a still, small voice? 
Now, if you and I are in a conversation, I begin to talk to my friends. And I tell you, because you got to get closer to me to hear what I'm saying. And that's why God spoke in a still, small voice. See, in the wilderness is where you and I take our deep needs and we draw near to the Lord to receive of His deep love for us. I want you to look at this. I'm going to read this out of Psalm uh, 42. But uh, this is such a powerful psalm. And uh, and this is going to be out of the Passion Translation. But you can look this up in your own Bible if you want to and read it later. But listen to this. I long to drink, O God, drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longing, my longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts and pants and longs for the living God. I want to come and see. I want to see the face of God. Day and night, my tears keep falling and my heart keeps crying for your help. While my enemies mock me over and over saying, where is this God of yours? Why doesn't he help you? So I speak over my heartbroken soul. That happens in the wilderness. I lost my bearings. Take courage, soul. Remember when you used to be right out in front leading the procession of praise. When the great crowd of worshipers gathered to go into the presence of the Lord. You shouted with joy as the sound. See, what is he doing? He's getting his bearings. He's saying, get your bearings back here. Figure it. Remember, this is who you are. This is what you have. That's why we tell you week after week after week, this is your Bible. You are what it says you are. You have what it says you have. You can do everything that it says you can do because that, we pray, will be bearing in your life. That'll be something that you'll always look to. When trouble comes, I go to the book. When trouble comes, I go to the scriptures. When trouble comes, I go to prayer. When trouble comes, I go where I know there are answers. I go to spiritual people that I trust and I know that they're faithful to the Lord and they're going to be able to help me and give me guidance or at least pray for me in that moment. He said, look, right out in front, I was leading the procession of praise with the great crowd of worshipers gathered to go into the presence of the Lord. You shouted with joy as the sound of passionate celebration filled the air and the joyous multitude of lovers honored the festival of the Lord. So then, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just hope, just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Savior, no matter what, Everybody say that with me, no matter what. No matter what. You know, that's a, that's a real powerful statement, isn't it? When you mean it, Lord, no matter what, I'm in this. I'm going to do what's right. No matter what, I will still sing with praise for living before his face is my saving grace. Now, here's what the psalmist said. Here I am depressed and downcast, yet I will still remember you as I ponder the place where your glory streams down from the mighty mountaintops, lofty, majestic, the mountains of your awesome presence. That is finding your bearings. That is getting direction. That is familiarizing yourself in a bad situation with the compass points of life that your God is with you and that he is here to help you. And that in the wilderness, he's Emmanuel. He is God with us. Listen to this out of the verse 7. My deep need, Joe. Anybody have a deep need today today in your life? 
Maybe you're in that place. You're just, I don't know why things aren't working. I don't know what things are good right now. Think, I feel out of sorts. You know, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, this is unfamiliar to me. I've never been through this. You know, when, you, when you've never dealt with cancer and you go to the doctor and they tell you you have cancer, you've never been that path before. What do you do? It says, my deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love, God. Your waterfall of weeping sent waves of sorrow over my soul carrying me away, cascading over me like a thundering cataract. And he finishes it with this, these words in, in Psalm 42, one of the most powerful psalms in Scripture. So I say to my soul, here we go. So I say to myself, you know, and listen, if you have a problem with talking to yourself, you already know that you do. Okay. So let's not try to act like we don't talk to ourselves because we do talk to ourselves. There are all kinds of conversations that are going on in your head. Like some of you are thinking, I wish he'd wrap up. Uh, okay. Who are you talking to? You're talking to you. Because you're not talking to God because he'd say, hey, 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 that's my man up there. You let him finish. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. You pay attention real good. So I say to my soul, have you ever had to talk to yourself? He said, I say to myself, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed. For I know my God will break through for me. Come on, man. I know my God will break through for me. I know my God. I'm telling myself, don't you dare be disturbed. Don't you be discouraged. I know. My God will break through for me, and I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving, is my saving grace, is my saving grace. Listen, I just make a statement about this. I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than on the mountain without him. Because when I'm in the wilderness, I know that's a point where I'm about to see miracles happen in my life. Tremendous miracles that will happen. You know, Israel, they missed out on it. They, they experienced so much, but they, they, never really, they never really got through it. While they're in the wilderness, God is doing one thing after another for them. I mean, it, it's cool enough that he got rid of their adversaries in the Red Sea after he split the Red Sea and, and after he led them through on dry ground. That's pretty awesome. And then that he pr brought manna for them and that he gave them water in the desert and out of a rock that Moses just tapped it and water came out of it. Um, it's pretty amazing that God took a place where the water was not good and made it good. It's an amazing thing that God took and provided quail, that there were so many birds that they, they it, it took them forever to get all the birds captured up. There was so much meat that was available to them that he protected them, that he, in fact, the Bible tells us that the soles of their shoes never even wore out while they were out there. Man, that'd be great for Sharon. I'll tell you what, that'd be awesome. And uh, I'm assuming that's why she buys so many pairs of soles are worn out. That, let me tell you that that's why I buy new shoes, because the soles are worn out. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, their soles of their, God was a shade over them in the sun. He was, a, he was a, a fire to them at night to keep them warm. I mean, he provided heat. He provided cool for them. He took care of them. His presence was with them every place in the wilderness. And all they did while they were there is bellyache and complain about being in the wilderness. 
Well, guess what? Then they get to the promised land and all those miracles that they had experienced in the wilderness stopped. No more manna. No more birds. No more fire by day or fire by night. No more cloud by day. They missed all of that. It was over with. And now they're in the promised land that God had given to them to go to war. So the thing is, is that just as the psalmist says, I have to say to myself, hey, 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 stop that. Stop thinking that way. Stop being discouraged. Has God ever been there before you before? If he did it before, he'll do it again. You may be in a place where you're losing your bearings. You know, I'm just like, like me in my house, just wandering around. I mean, I was afraid getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I had to turn a lot of lights on because I was afraid I'd fall over something that I didn't know was there. Because, you know, I mean, if you have to deal with this at night, you're on like remote control when you have to go to the bathroom, right? So, you know, if you're in a different place, I could end up going down the stairs or something. I mean, it, so I had to have lots of lights on to protect. Anyways, enough about my problems. <laughs> Enough about my problems. Let me finish this up. You know, after God got him to draw near, and he began to speak to him, and he said to him again, hey man, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Why are you in this place? Why are you in this place? He never really did. He just kind of says, well, I'm all alone. I'm by myself. They've killed all the good people. I'm the only one left. I mean, these were the things that he was thinking in his head. But God said to him, son, that's not true. You're not the only one. Lots of people that have been brought through this and have come through this difficulty. But as he drew near to the Lord, here's what happened that was so, to me, was just so absolutely powerful. Is this that God revealed his future to him as he drew near. Because immediately God says, now, here's what I want you to do. See, we're getting ready to go into 2019. And, and I know that God isn't controlled by our calendar, our Gregorian calendar that we live by. And, and, uh, but, 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 here's the, but we are. It affects us. We're going into this new year. And, you know, you might feel like everything's out of sorts right now, just not where it needs to be. But as you draw near... Because he's whispering. He's not yelling out. Because he wants you close to him. God wants you close to him. And as he speaks and you draw near to him, here's what he's going to do. He's going to manifest your future to you. He's going to reveal your future to you. What does 2019 hold for you and I? Hey, I and, and Mark and Jeannie will agree with this. Uh, talking about goals. Uh, we're all for goals. And absolutely, I have goals. And my staff has goals. And Sharon and I have personal goals. But there's something that goes before goals, and that's prayer. We go before God and we say, Lord, what would you have me do this year? Where would you have me go? What are the things you would want me to do? And I'm going to tell you what I heard the, what I heard the Lord say. And I don't know if this is our word for 2019, but this is what I heard him say. Take off the limitations. I heard him say that. He said, believe big. He said, believe big. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In the world, you're going to hear, believe small. You're going to hear, don't believe big. Don't, it's time to withdraw, pull back. But God is saying, in the midst of that, 
He's not limited by what's happening in the world, by the way. Just so you know that, uh, no matter what's happening, God is who God is, and he can do what he says he will do. And God says to us, and I believe it, believe, believe big. Believe big. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. Take the limits off your life. You know, whatever you've had from the past, don't let that be the limitation to your future. Don't let that limit your future. Uh, I get so frustrated with people, you know, when I say, the the Lord has got this for you because I've done this to myself. And their first response is, I can't do that. Baloney. God wouldn't ask you to do it if he didn't think you could do it. So get over yourself. Look at your neighbor and say it to him. Get over yourself. Come on, get over yourself. You can. You can do it. I'm not doing a motivational speech now. I'm just telling you. You can. Did you know that a tree, I have in my front yard some really powerful oak trees. I mean, they're huge. And uh, I'm guessing, you know, they're over 100 years old. I know that for a fact, but they're, they're really, really old. But did you know that it is in the, the adversity of winter that the roots of that tree grow their strongest in the ground? Adversity causes, I know this about sugar beets. I'm not a, I don't know a lot about agricultural farming um, and barely know anything about animal farming. But, uh, <laughs> but I do know this. One time I was talking to Mark and I was asking him a question about, I says, well, is this really, you know, this adverse weather, this adverse, you know, the, the drought we were having and it was difficult and the ground was dry. And, and, and Mark says, yeah. He says, but see what you don't know about the sugar beet is, is, is that that sugar beet is now forced to go deeper to find water. And the deeper it goes, the bigger it gets. You just missed a great spiritual principle. I'm going to tell you today, the deeper you go, the bigger you will get. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So when you're in a wilderness, when that wilderness is around you, lost my bearings, oh. What am I doing? Where am I? What's going on? I don't, I feel out of sorts. It just isn't comfortable to me right now. It's okay. It's all right. Because in the midst of that, there is a whisper that you've got to draw near to. There is a place, there is some, God is speaking. We tend to look for the miraculous and we miss the supernatural. We look for something stupendous to happen. Well, I'll tell you, I'm waiting on God. And when lightning cracks in heaven and he writes in the sky and he says this to me, I will know I'm coming out. Just like that farmer, he said to want to, he said to his wife, I, I have heard from God. And she says, what did you hear? He said, no, I saw it in the sky. Two clouds formed. They formed the, 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 the words, the, the two letters, PC. And I know that God is calling me to preach Christ. And so I'm selling the farm and I'm going to go and preach. and I'm going to become a preacher. And, and he says, so he got out there, man, and he started preaching and nobody would come to the meetings. And his wife one day said to him, honey, I think you, God was telling you to plant corn, not preach Christ. <laughs> no, but when you whisper, God's doing that because he's saying, stop looking for me in all the stupendous giant things, I'm speaking. Draw near to me. And in the midst of that, 
there's strength. In the midst of that, there's bearing. In the midst of that, there's direction and there's clarity. Elijah left that mountain that day with clear direction for his days ahead. He was told to anoint Elijah. He was told to anoint a king. He was told to anoint a priest. Everything God had for his future came out of that moment when he stopped looking at the wind, the earth, the wind, and the fire, and all the other stuff, and he just decided to draw near. I know, it took some of you a while to catch up uh, with that. It was was a band, okay? Earth, wind, and fire. Um, But... If I have to explain it, it's not funny. Okay. (laughs) Stand up with me if you would. I'd like our leadership team to come to the altar if you would. Elders, ministers that are here, just come on up. Amen. Thank you. You might be in a winter place right now, a place of wilderness. You might just be coming out and you're just flat out exhausted spiritually. But see, what I believe in is that there are people in the church, and that's why I think it's important to come to church, because there are people in the church. It's one thing to have somebody pray for you when they know you have a need. It's another to have them put a hand on you and say, I'm with you in this. I'm fighting with you in this. You're going to get through this. We're going to believe God together. See, when I tell Mark Chaffin that this is what I'm believing for, this is what I, guess what I got to deal with every time I see Mark, what I told him the last time. Now, if you're in a place in your life right now where you're seeking direction, clarity, you're, you're, you're not, there are things, there are things that are out there that you're like, I don't, I, man, I don't know. I, I, I haven't even really been thinking a lot about that because I don't know how that's even going to happen. I'm just going to encourage you to come up for prayer today and just let these guys pray with you. If you're in a place where you're, where you're, maybe you're in the valley and it's just really tough, it's a place of weeping, you need to let these folks pray with you because they care about you. That's why they're up here and they care about God's will for your life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads today. And just while you're standing there and I get ready to pray, if you need prayer today, I want you just to come on up front right now. Maybe it's to pray for somebody else. Go ahead and step out of your seat, if you would, and come forward. And just get in front of one of these folks here today, all over the building, and uh, come right now. Amen. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For that direction, that clarity, that strength. Let's pray. And you could keep coming. Just go ahead. Come on. You coming up for prayer? Okay, come on. Father God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you, God, for your goodness to us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, God, that you never leave us, nor do you ever forsake us. Father God, I pray for every person here, Lord God, that's in a, in a place in the wilderness right now. They've lost their bearings. Lord, that they would know as they draw near to you, Lord God, your deep love is already reaching out to them. That their future will manifest as they listen to your whisper and draw near. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all those agreed, 
said amen. amen. Keep your heads bowed with me if you would for just a moment. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.